Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Asian Madness Podcast, a podcast where we discuss all things true crime, morbid, mysterious, and odd from the Asian continent. I am your host, Jessica. Welcome to the Asian Madness Podcast, episode 55. Once again, hope you're all doing well, and hopefully my podcast is keeping some of you company during these grim times. I mean, my content isn't exactly happy and uplifting, but hopefully it makes life just a little bit more interesting for you. Anyway, this week's case is actually a listener suggestion. Thank you, Eden Zhang from Facebook. This was also suggested by my boyfriend a while back, and I decided to cover this one now because it just so happens to be his birthday month. So, if you're listening to this, happy birthday. He helped me with some bits and pieces, so I shall give him credit for that. Now that I think about it, it's kind of a strange way to show that I care, but I'm sure he will appreciate it. This is a very intriguing case and also very much unsolved. When I first heard about this case from another podcast, I immediately thought of the West Memphis 3 case. The most obvious similarity is that it involves young boys going off into the woods, people searching for them, and people finding their bodies, eventually. Though in this case, way later than the three boys in the West Memphis 3 case. If you're not familiar with the West Memphis 3, I highly suggest you look into it. But maybe after this episode. This is the case of the Frog Boys from South Korea. Channel News Asia made a very good two-part documentary on this case, and it's available on YouTube, so check that out later if you want to learn more. There will be mentions regarding the death of children, so please proceed with caution if this is something that may be triggering for you. Let's begin. This case takes place in the Terso district in Tegu City, South Korea. This is an area located approximately 238 kilometers, or 148 miles, from Seoul, South Korea's capital. The day was Tuesday, March 26, 1991. This was not a typical Tuesday, though. 
as public elections were taking place, so this day was a public holiday. It was also the first local election in about 30 years, so you bet your ass people took this election seriously. Kids didn't have school this day, nor were they able to vote, so what do you think kids did back in the day during holidays? They got together with their other kid friends and did random kid activities, usually outdoors. Let's focus on a specific group of kids, though. A group of six boys were very close friends. Their ages ranged from 9 to 13, but despite the age difference, they were close. Their families were neighbors, and they all attended Songso Elementary School. Solid friendship between the six boys. Kim Jong-sik, age 9. Park Chan-in, age 10. Kim Young-gyu, age 11. Cho Ho-yeon, age 12. Woo Chol-won, age 13, and Kim Tae-ryong, age 10. The boys got together early in the morning and began playing around the neighborhood. The weather was on the chilly side as March temperatures in that area could range from near 0 degrees Celsius to maybe 15 degrees Celsius. At around 9 a.m., 9-year-old Kim Jong-sik ran home and grabbed a warmer jacket. The boy's father just thought he was going out to play in the field, as he usually did with his friends, so he didn't really question him too much about it. That would be the last time he ever saw his son alive. The six boys had decided to go to Waryong Mountain for an adventure, and by adventure I mean they were going to look for salamander eggs. Here is the thing. Some say salamander eggs, some say frogs. Some others prefer to be more vague and say lizards. Does it really matter? I don't really think so. If you insist, you could refer to them as the salamander or lizard boys, but it really has a different ring to it. Either way, I'll go along with official sources and refer to them as the frog boys. So, this mountain place. This was near where they lived. Definitely not the first time they've gone there. A pond, a military base, and a military shooting range was located on Waryong Mountain at the time, but in 1994, the shooting range was moved to another nearby town. One of the boys, 10-year-old Kim Tae-ryong, had decided to go home for breakfast right before the boys headed to Waryong Mountain. When he was done, he ran out and caught up with his friends. Once he arrived at the foot of the mountain, he thought about how his mother had told him to not wander too far off, and that it wasn't safe. Not sure if he was genuinely worried or if he was just scared of his mother, Kim Tae-ryong turned back and went home. Crazy to think that he could have easily been part of the frog boy's case. Imagine how many adults have probably used this story to scare their kids into obedience, like... Listen to me, child, or what happened to the frog boys will happen to you. It was a busy morning with people everywhere. Some were heading to the voting booths, some were heading home after voting. Some people did come across a group of boys discussing their plans to head into the mountain. A friend of their parents spotted the kids and asked them where they were going, and the boys replied that they were going to Watering Mountain to look for salamander eggs. It was at around 1 p.m. when the father of the 9-year-old received a call from his son's Taekwondo Academy, informing them that their son failed to show up for class. The father became worried and started asking around the neighborhood and the parents of the other boys. 
wondering if they had seen any of their sons. This is when a family friend told the father that they overheard the boys discussing their trip to Wadu Mountain, and the family of the five boys began to search that area. The entire afternoon was dedicated to searching the mountain, but they came up with nothing. The parents of the five boys called the police a few hours later about their missing children, but the police basically told them to chillax, they're probably just out playing and lost track of time, you know, boys, no big deal. Local reporters had also caught wind of the five missing boys, but like the police, they didn't really think it was a big deal. The truth is, people were mostly focused on elections that had taken place earlier that day. Remember, it was the first public election in so long. Everyone was concerned with the outcome. I also think that the community and neighborhood was safe. Everyone probably knew everybody else. No one really expected anything bad to happen. Five boys hanging out and losing track of time doesn't really sound far-fetched, right? But to the parents, it was a big deal. They mostly likely expected their kids back by a certain time. And the boys were probably good kids and never wandered far for too long. At least, not like this. To the parents, something just didn't feel right. When the parents realized their kids were missing, they of course went around hoping to check if anyone had heard from them or had seen them, whether they saw them heading to the mountain or if they ran into them while on the mountain. Here are a few witness accounts from March 26, 1991. Please bear in mind, though, how eyewitness accounts can be unreliable at times. When people see or hear things, they don't necessarily know the exact date or time it happened. It's not their fault, it's just how it is. The following accounts may even sound slightly off due to timing and details, but this is what was reported, so here are the facts. A woman who lived at the foot of the mountain stated that she saw the five boys heading to the mountain at around 9 a.m. A second witness, 12-year-old Jo Ho-yeon's older brother, spotted them near the mountain area, learned of their plan, then returned home. Two classmates of one of the boys remembered seeing the five boys at the mountain entrance around noontime. Another lady remembered seeing them going up the mountain at around 2 p.m. It's very interesting. Some say 9 a.m., some say 12 p.m., and some even later in the afternoon. Either way, the boys never made it back home that day. I'm sure all this was probably confusing for the parents and the police, but wait till you hear this witness account. A fourth grade boy who went to school with the frog boys was also out on the mountain with his brother searching for salamander eggs. The two boys got temporarily separated and while he was minding his own business, he suddenly heard a scream coming from somewhere in the mountains. Ten seconds later, another scream. This obviously sounds alarming and damning in hindsight, but at the moment, the boy did not do anything about it. Maybe he wasn't sure if he should do anything, or maybe he wasn't sure what he could or should do. Either way, when questioned later on, he said he heard those screams at around lunchtime, which would have been around 11.30 a.m. for him. Some sources say the boy heard screams, while some sources say that he heard screams and a gunshot. What do you guys think? 
We will discuss this again when we get to theories. Days later, news of the missing boys became national news, and the media began referring to the boys as the Frog Boys, and the name stuck. So what was being done? Did the police do thorough investigative work? What did the parents do? Were there any suspects? The police seemed to follow normal protocol, despite this case being anything but normal. The police sent out lots of people to search the mountains and the surrounding area, but despite all the manpower and hours, nothing was ever found at the time. As you could imagine, this was probably a rather big case for the police force at the time, especially since nothing like this ever really happened. At one point, the kids were even labeled as runaways, either because the police truly believed this or they were lazy and wanted the pressure off their backs. This case became so sensational that even the South Korean president at the time, Ro Tae-woo, ordered about 300,000 police officers from all over the country to help look for the boys, whether it was to help set up search teams or do investigative work. The search area soon expanded from not just Wadu Mountain, but to reservoirs, bus terminals, etc. But nothing really turned up. Many people had put money together, offering a reward for any tips on the case. And did anybody call in? You bet. Was it useful information? Absolutely not. At this point in the investigation, all five families had recording devices installed in their house phones just in case somebody was holding the kids for ransom. A call came in one day where a boy appeared to be crying and asking for his mother. Everyone believed that it was one of the boys, but later it turned out to be a cruel prank. Who even does that? If you were doing this just to get the reward money? Yeah, I could sort of understand that. Don't get me wrong, still makes you super shitty. But a prank like this? I don't really get the point. Anyway, another person called in, claiming to have kidnapped the boys. He asked for money, telling the police that the boys were dying and were malnourished. They set up a meeting spot, and surprise, surprise, no one showed up. Basically, someone was hoping that by pretending to know stuff, it could get them money. This baffles me. What even is the train of thought here? If you show up with zero boys when you promise to bring five, kind of obvious you were lying. Either way, they probably chickened out last second or realized how incredibly dumb they were. As for the parents, they never stopped searching for their kids. If anything, their search efforts intensified. According to them, the police were rude, inefficient, and extremely dismissive with this case. The police probably felt like this case was way bigger than anything they could handle. And who knows, maybe some of them genuinely believed the children ran away. I understand that they probably did not have too much evidence to go on, but come on, that's not exactly a great reason to slack off, shrug your shoulders, and tell everyone, well, those kids ran away. If anything, you should be actively looking for evidence. The parents felt very alienated, like they were just causing trouble for the police. In their opinion, the police were just doing minimal work, like enough to appear that they're doing something so they can look busy and fill in their reports. Kind of like some of us at work. 
Afterwards, they can inform the public that they have been doing everything they can. The parents, on the other hand, literally quit their jobs and went around the country searching for their kids. The fathers got together, rented a lorry, and put photos and basic information of their kids on the sides of the lorry. They would make stops and hand out flyers, hoping somebody somewhere had information on their missing children. Although these fathers were doing their best, the sadness and anger still got to some of them. Some turned to pills, some turned to alcohol to feel better. Can you really blame them? This lifestyle was definitely not sustainable for anybody. Three years after quitting their jobs and searching every corner of the country, the fathers knew they had to go back to their families. It was disappointing, I'm sure, having spent all that time out there and having to return home empty-handed. As time went on, the public's interest in this case began to wane. Realistically, finding these boys alive after all these years was probably being overly optimistic. Nevertheless, it was still a huge case and ongoing. Police continued to do their thing, but for some reason, they never really seemed interested in looking into what the parents believed to be the so-called culprit, aka the military base up on Wario Mountain. Remember one of the witnesses stated that they had heard screams and gunshots? Well, gunshots wouldn't be a huge deal as there was a shooting range and a military base. Maybe it had something to do with the military? Either way, the police were kind of like, nah, can't be. I don't believe the police really investigated or questioned the base or the shooting range. But they did go on to investigate a very specific person based on the words of a criminal-slash-forensic psychologist. I mean, that sounds pretty legit, right? The thing is, back in the 90s, forensic or criminal psychologists were rare in South Korea. I can't say for sure why, but I would assume it may have something to do with the low demand for such work. The country was generally safe. Having the general police force might have been enough at one point. The field itself might not have been that common either. So when someone with extra knowledge shows up, the police took their word for it, or at least they had to look into their claims. The father of the nine-year-old frog boy became a murder suspect. He was suspected of somehow murdering all five boys and then burying all of them in his backyard the same day they disappeared. Yeah, just think about that. The other parents and neighbors heard this theory and knew for sure it was a load of crap. So what kind of evidence did the police have on the father? Hard evidence? None. But according to the police and the criminal psychologist, the father was supposedly unaccounted for during the first few hours the kids disappeared. I don't know how one person goes from being unaccounted for to murdering and burying five kids, including his own kid. I mean, let's see, is it impossible? I guess not, but is it likely? I'd say no. It basically means that the dad followed the kids into the mountain on the morning of the 26th, somehow managed to kill them all without any one of them running away, then, with some sort of superpower strength, he managed to drag all five boys back to his home in broad daylight on a public holiday, then 
burying all the kids under his home without his wife or any of his neighbors noticing. If you had said one kid, okay, more possible, but five? Nah, I don't think so. As if having a missing kid wasn't bad enough, now this father had to face the whole nation's scrutiny. The criminal psychologist was so dead set on his theory, so people really did start to take him seriously. Skip to the end, they dug up the house, looked everywhere, and guess what? No bodies. It makes it slightly better that the police and the criminal psychologist ended up apologizing to the father, but I feel like they could have handled everything differently. They basically made this accusation sound solid, hyped up the entire nation, and made the situation look like some circus show. Imagine being the father, hurt, humiliated, and helpless. Finally now, let's fast forward a few years. It is now September 26, 2002, exactly 11 years and a half later. A 55-year-old man is hiking along Waryong Mountain looking for acorns. I think you know where this is going. If this took place in the U.S., it would be a jogger or a hiker. But in East Asia, it's always some mushroom or whatever picker. So this man suddenly sees something out of the ordinary. He gets up close, gasps, realizes what he's seeing is not something that should be there at all. He immediately notifies the police. And in no time, the area would be filled with police and spectators. So what exactly did they discover? They found the remains of the five boys. Parts of their clothing was found as well, including shirts, shoes, and socks, and even a set of dental braces that probably belonged to the 12-year-old missing child. Basically, what they were wearing that same day, they disappeared. The bodies were said to have been found in a rather shallow pit, but strangely enough, That area was also said to have been searched multiple times. It was on the mountain, would have easily been a path people took for hikes, and could have also been where the boys were looking for frogs and salamander eggs. If that was the case, how did the police and search teams manage to just miss five bodies? It's been more than a decade since the boys had gone missing, so understandably, Their remains mostly consisted of bones and clothing material. So you know how I implied earlier that the police were not really fully capable of handling such cases? As in the occasional petty crime was probably doable, but not when it involved the disappearance and death of five boys. If they can't really handle searching for five boys, you can only imagine how they would be handling five sets of remains. That is correct. It was overall a huge mess. They brought something like rice sacks to put the remains in instead of body bags. No crime scene expert was on site when they started to handle the remains. They used excavating tools to get the remains out, which in turn ended up damaging the crime scene. And because of their inexperience with digging up human remains, They ended up arranging their remains in a very strange way. Typically, you would try to piece back an entire person from head to toe, and I assume if the remains had not been messed with too much, you could probably tell which bone belonged to which body. 
So say if you found a rib cage positioned under a skull, the logical assumption would be that that specific rib cage belonged to that skull. So you would align them together. Obviously, I am no forensic scientist, so I am using very basic words and logic here. But what the police did here was um, strange. Instead of trying to piece back five bodies, they kind of put all the skulls here in one corner, all the ribs in one place, and all the leg bones in another corner. Kind of like you're separating Legos or building blocks. Anyway, you guys get the idea. The five bodies seem to be arranged in a suspicious manner in the pit. A few of them seem to have been put on top of each other. Some of their clothing were strangely knotted together. A lot of bullet casings and shells were found near the bodies. A few were even found intertwined with the children's clothing. Remember, a shooting range and a military base was nearby, so not entirely surprising to find casings around the area. But inside the clothing? It was difficult to determine if this was the exact location where the boys died, as it had been years and moss and grass had sort of grown over the remains. I highly doubt you could really tell if they were left there on the day they disappeared, or say, a week later. Assuming somebody grabbed them, killed them, and went back to Wario Mountain and disposed of the kids there. Basically, it was hard to determine if they died in the same place they were discovered, or their remains were planted there. The two main questions now were, what happened to the kids? And if this was murder, who did this? After the chaotic mess at the crime scene, the bodies were finally taken to a hospital for further examination. A few days later, the police announced their findings. The children were found huddled in a group, their clothing tied together, so obviously they died of hypothermia. You can imagine how the parents and the general public reacted to this. This theory did not seem to make much sense in many ways. First of all, yeah, the temperature was pretty low that day, but not really enough to kill them, especially since they were not stranded in some remote area. Their remains were found about two kilometers from their neighborhood. I have a hard time imagining these kids being like, oh hey, it's so cold, instead of running home, which would take maybe like five minutes, let's all just stay here and get even colder. It's not the first time these kids decided to play outdoors or even at the mountain, and despite its name, it was more of a hilly area than an actual mountain. Yes, they're young, but definitely old enough to have had some sort of instinct or common sense. Secondly, they found bullets not just around the bodies, but some were entangled with their clothes. How could this happen? You could maybe say, oh, they probably pocketed some of the bullets they found along the way, and after dying of hypothermia and being discovered, the bullets fell out when the bodies were disturbed. But because the whole crime scene and remains were so poorly handled, it would be impossible to know that. Most people did not believe the hypothermia thing, and if the children did not die from the cold, it was more likely somebody out there was responsible for their deaths. A second autopsy was conducted when people rejected the theory of hypothermia. 
This time around, it was pretty clear that it was most definitely not the cold that killed the boys. A forensic scientist that was assigned to this case explained that the bodies were not found on top of the dirt, but were instead covered with a light layer of dirt and rocks. This may strongly indicate that someone was trying to hide the bodies from being seen and could maybe explain why no one saw the bodies back then during the searches. It was also said that the boys could have been buried deeper in the ground at first, but due to heavy rainfalls, their bodies began to peek out from the ground. Another reason why most people believe it was murder was because during the examination of the remains, three of the skulls discovered had evidence of some sort of blunt force trauma and one skull had a bullet hole. Yeah, how is this not obvious? I have no idea if the police somehow missed this crucial part of the investigation or they chose to ignore it. Pretty wild how this whole thing went down. Now let's discuss theories. You already know two of them, and both of them sucked. One was from a few years ago where the so-called professional accused one of the fathers of murdering all five boys and burying them under his house. That clown pretty much lost his job and credibility, so we can just move past that one. The second one is the hypothermia death theory brought forth by the police, which I assume most of us have already rejected. Now, on to a more popular theory, and one that I personally think is quite possible. So there was a military base in the shooting range located in the area, and the remains of the kids were found maybe two or three hundred meters from the shooting range. Many people believe that one or two of the kids could have been accidentally hit by a stray bullet, or something like that. And once the person responsible for shooting the gun saw what had happened, they possibly panicked and decided to kill the other kids as well just to keep them quiet. Maybe one person was responsible, but it could have also been more than one. I imagine trying to control a group of kids would be kind of difficult. Maybe it was someone from the military. Maybe hunters in the area. Who really knows? The police, though, never really fully investigated the military base, like I mentioned earlier. However, they claimed that they did go over and did some casual questioning. Like, hey, what happened on March 26th? Oh, really? Okay, got it. Have a nice day. Not word for word, but something along those lines. The military base explained that March 26, 1991 was election day which was also a national holiday for them as well. No one was scheduled to go off to the shooting range that day, but who knows if they're telling the truth. Or maybe somebody did fire a gun without anybody else knowing, ended up killing a kid or two, then maybe with or without the help of a friend, they murdered the rest of the boys by bashing their heads in. The South Korean president at the time, Ro Tae-woo, had mobilized thousands of people and made this case a priority. Sounds really responsible and everything, but why did he somehow miss such an obvious link to the boys, as in the military base? The president came from a military background. In fact, he was an army general, and he was heavily involved in the military at the time. This could have been a sensitive topic for his political career. 
especially if they did end up finding someone from the military responsible for the death of the Frog Boys. Not only would it look bad on the military, the military and the president could end up losing a lot of support. Some people also believe that it could have been some unhinged individual who happened to cross paths with the boys. The way the boys' clothes were knotted was unique to certain professions, so some people speculated that the killer could have been a criminal or a packaging factory worker. Either way, no one has ever been investigated for this and there are no leads. Although far from satisfactory, the parents did manage to find the remains of their children. Obviously, finding them alive would have been the best outcome, but sometimes you have to take what is given to you, which in this case would be their remains, but no concrete answer as to what really happened. That's extremely unfair, especially for the father who passed away in the year 2001 from cancer. He never even got to see his son's remains. The investigation of the Frog Boys' remains finally came to an end in the year 2004, about two years after the discovery. The parents donated the skulls of their sons for the sake of science, while the rest of them were cremated. A joint funeral was held, and the parents took the ashes of their kids to the Nakdong River so they could, quote, float away into the Pacific Ocean. The statute of limitations in South Korea for murder was 15 years, which meant that the case expired on March 25, 2006. But in the year 2007, the statute of limitations was extended to 25 years. And then, in 2015, the time limit for murder was completely removed. This is a huge step for victims and their families, which really gives people hope when it comes to solving cold cases. Despite the statute of limitations on the Frog Boys case, the police have vowed to continue their investigation into finding what really happened to those five boys. A task force of about seven people was assigned to this cold case, and they review new and existing evidence every year, hoping to get an answer. Since this case was so sensational, people obviously decided to make movies and whatnot. The first movie called Come Back, Frog Boys came out literally a year after their disappearance. Kind of crazy how little time it took for a movie to come out based on their disappearance. But it was also said that the movie was mostly used as propaganda to bring awareness of the case and to ask the boys to come home, if they were alive somewhere. A second movie called Children was released in 2011, which I guess used actual facts from the case. Some people criticize his accuracy, but but I suppose there's no way you can get all the details correct, since even to this day, no one really knows what happened. The rating of this movie on IMDb is pretty good, so maybe it's worth a watch. So there you have it, the disappearance and unsolved murder of five young boys. What do you think happened to them? Do you think this case could ever be solved? Considering the fact that the Hwasung serial murders was solved decades later, maybe there is some hope out there. Someone out there most likely has knowledge on what happened, and maybe someday they will tell someone. As for the police, I believe their training and compassion levels have highly increased since the early 90s.
Although the investigation into this case was far from excellent, I could kind of understand how it all went wrong. Being unfamiliar with such cases, very little resource and evidence to go on, and maybe a lot of higher-ups blocking the investigation. It does happen. Sometimes we just don't know it. I'm just happy to hear that things have improved, and there is no doubt that it will only continue to get better. Of course, it would be great if people stop committing crimes and all, but we kind of know that's not going to happen. Thank you all again for tuning in, and I apologize for the delay. There was a lot of information on this case, and I really wanted to get as much in as I could. Sorry if I mispronounced the names. I did what I could. Please stay safe, wear a mask, and be kind to others. Till next time. Before I go, I would like to thank my two new Patreon members, Sue Zerumski and Mish Wu. Your support means a lot. And I had a lot of really kind reviews lately from Triple L4422 from the US, Jasynth from the Philippines, Nerfzilla645 from the US, Sophia Germany from Germany, Barrett Boffink from Sweden, S. Mike's Mom from the US, and Anne Mei Chang from the US. Just so you know, all these reviews mean the world to me, and I really appreciate all the support. Thank you for tuning in to the Asian Madness Podcast. If you enjoyed my content, please rate and review me on iTunes. If you would like to get in touch with me, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or email me at asianmadnesspod at gmail.com. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.